The other day my husband got up. I'm sure he doesn't mind me telling this. And he pulled down his pants and he spread his butt cheeks and just farted in my face. And I was like, you know what? This is love. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. I'm Christina Pajitsky, and we are in the green room of the DC Improv. And it's really green. It's actually green, which is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> They're never really green. The Madcap team ventured into downtown Washington, D.C. to the D.C. Improv Comedy Club to talk to stand-up comedian Christina Puchitsky. Well-known for her raunchy stand-up routines, as well as her appearance on Chelsea Lately, VH1, True TV, and Showtime, Puchitsky provided insight in a way that only she could. Listen up as Pachitsky takes us on a tour of her comedic world, sheds light on what steps she took growing up to lead to her success, and shares some gassy relationship stories. Actually, I mean, I was born in beautiful Windsor, Ontario, Canada, across from Detroit, very classy. And then I moved to L.A., we all did, not just me, uh, when I was four. So I'm from the San Fernando Valley, which is not glamorous. I, but I live by the beach now, and I, I think it's the most wonderful, beautiful place. L.A. gets a bad rap. You know, we're not all douchebags. Those of us that grew up there are cool. I mean, my dad's a forklift. Oh, well, I mean, my dad's a forklift mechanic. Like, we're not, we're not all, you know, hoity-toity people. Some of us are normal folks, you know. So, at age four, were you the one who was like, who initiated the move? Were you like, we got to make this, we got to make this happen? No, I didn't have that much power in my home. No, no, my dad hated the snow. And um, oh, yeah, we were like, <laughs> yeah, like, forget, forget this. So we just we took off. We got in a van. You got you. So you, you took a van there. Well, no, my parents escaped from Hungary originally to Canada, and then we drove a van from Canada to L.A. Let's talk about that car ride from Canada <laughs> to L.A. Yeah. What, what what was in the tape cassette? <laughs> Shit, I think we had a track back then. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't remember it. I was so young. I don't remember it. What is it about Los Angeles that you really enjoy? Dude, the weather. I mean, I'm so L.A. Like, this snow really bums me out. I was having panic attacks in the hotel on Thursday. Just like, <laughs> like this. Like, I get really, you don't get weird in this weather? I mean, kind of. Not anymore. My parents are Mediterranean, so they get really weird. I don't, because I was born into the snow. They were like, yeah. boom, there you go. But. <laughs> it bums me out. But yeah. I like sunshine, and I like, I like um, the ocean. So come see that, guys. Okay, okay. Every there, you know what? Everything's the fucking same in America. Everything's the same. Movie theaters, cheeseburgers, uh, movies. Yeah, there's nothing. Like, but then there's like natural stuff that's cool. And a lot of driving. There's a lot of driving. There's a lot of driving. There's a lot of driving. Yeah. There's a lot of driving. All right, so um, to talk about the formative years, uh, yeah. one question we like to ask is, so who sat at your lunch table in high school, and where are they, and where are they now? <laughs> Actually, okay, so... You know, I was goth. I was really hardcore goth. I guess they call it emo now. 
They don't even say goth. Goth and emo are two very different categories. Oh, thank God. Alternative. (laughs) So you don't have to worry. (laughs) So what's the difference between... Goth is more like glamorous a little bit, right? Goth is like like the real, like, struggle. is like the real struggle is goth. Whereas emo is more like the pretentious, like... It's like more like a phase type thing. Like goth is more like people like commit to that. The more you know. And where did you get your goth linens from? Yes, my goth linens. Oh (laughs) oh, yes. Shit. All right. So okay, back in the day, we didn't have no hot topic. You couldn't go to a fucking mall and buy velvet cloaks and shit. So I had to like, (laughs) I had to go to Melrose. I had to get my ass on a bus and uh, go to Melrose Avenue. This is where they used to have those secondhand stores, and I would go through smelly, old ass lady clothes and I'd cut things and sew things and make things and I used to cut out the leg the the crotches to fishnet stockings and then put them over my head and make arms (laughs) that's how yeah so anyway who sat on my lunch table this girl Shauna Finn who's now a great artist um in New York City and then I think everyone else sells real estate in the valley (laughs) (laughs) they would they would have loved for you to plug them right there (laughs) for that banner all right, so the formative years. So um, when did you know that you wanted to be in the, the, the present profession that you're in now, or did you or did you not? Or did you, because I mean, uh, clearly you studied philosophy and everything, but I know, did you have in the back of my head, like, maybe I could do this? I didn't know women could really, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but growing up, uh, we had, like, SNL, so I saw, um, what's her name, Gilda Radner, and then by the time I was 13, Roseanne Barr came around, but I didn't really consider it a profession. I didn't know until I was very depressed, actually, in high school and college. And uh, so like, I graduated with a degree in philosophy, right? And I couldn't get a job. And I got fired from, and I quit 22 jobs in four years after I graduated from college because I just hated, I hated the real world. I was like, this is dog shit. How can this be that people sit in cubicles? And I just fucking, I, I hated it. And then I was, I just discovered stand-up, and I just kept doing it. I kept going back for more punishment because it's basically seven years of punishment in the beginning and then by 10 years you're good and then you have a career but you know yeah you have to really kind of have a little bit of self-loathing in you to be a comic so (laughs) interns have a great question they like asking which is like what is a person's favorite what is their spirit animal so if you could come back as a a furry individual what would you be as a furry? Oh, I... Well... I regret it saying that the minute I said it. Oh, <laughs> as any animal? I love domestic dogs. I'm obsessed with the Brussels Griffon breed. Do you know Brussels are? Fun? You know Verdell from As Good As It Gets? That's who I would be. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a cute dog. It's a really cute dog. That's who I would be, Verdell. Yeah, what about you? Me? Oh, gosh. I want to say tiger, but that always sounds pretentious. So I like tight because they're like kind of solitary, but they'll cut you. Yeah, right. So you know. But I'm lazy. I don't want to hunt for my food. I oh. want people to just pet me and give me treats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just good eat a rawhide chew. So um, most memorable moment on stage for you? Shit! At one time here on New Year's Eve, I had a glass thrown at me. Uh, some someone got real mad because they were getting tossed out for heckling. And they threw a glass at me. But I've fallen off a stage in Dallas. That was fun. (laughs) Uh, You know, they're all memorable. Because it's always like, 
Oh, one time I opened for Ted Nugent when I had no business opening for Ted Nugent. <laughs> and um, I fucking ate it. Like, I ate shit. It was, Ted Nugent fans wear, like, Confederate flags and stuff on their vests. So it was yeah. like, it was, that was pretty gnarly. Oh, in Afghanistan. I did, I did Afghanistan. And that was crazy. Did you stand up in a war zone for soldiers who would just come in off patrol and you're just like... Hey man, what's going on? <laughs> you guys see Downton Abbey this season or what? And they're just like, oh. Have you ever altered your set for for the uh, for the town that you're in? You have to be a little cognizant of like things like war zones where people are really shell shocked and sensitive. You don't want to talk about dumb, sh you know. Yeah, you, you don't want to do politics in front of like soldiers. You're like, that's cool. But now you know. Listen, you got to do you. That's it. And can I say something to the youth of America? To you guys don't don't let people older than you tell you what to do and don't let people tell you that what you want to do is stupid or how will you make money in it you know how many people are like why do you study philosophy that's so dumb or what you never be a stand-up comedian girls aren't comics and if I had listened to people don't you'll find out oh I'm sorry I hit it you'll find out how to make your money it'll come but don't let, there's people that will dream crush you. Just be prepared for dream crushers. People who will tell you you can't do what you want to do. And then just look them in the eye and say thank you. And in your head, go, go fuck yourself and go do what you want to do. Because so many, there's so many dream crushers. Because they're, they're afraid of their lives. That's all that is. They're afraid. So who are, who are some, um, I guess growing up, some women that you look towards that you were like, what they're doing is something that I would love to at least be involved in, or, or, or people of inspiration for just being trailblazers in their own environment. Oh, yeah. I love Janine Garofalo, and it's mm -hmm. funny. Every night I look at her, and I love her, because she came around when I was a 13- or 12-year-old girl, and I was like, what? You can be, like, weird? You can wear... She wore boxer shorts and tights on television. Yeah. And I was like, that's wild. And she had a personality, and she wasn't an objectified you know, sex kitten. Everybody relax. I know, you get to see another great outfit from the Garofalo collection, but I'm doing laundry tomorrow, so. <laughs> Tuesday, the latest. I was so, uh, you know, I'm so proud of our culture. When I see that Under Siege is number one at the box office for weeks and weeks, I'm proud. But then when it gets knocked out by Passenger 57, my chest swells even further. <laughs> The Seagal film, though, they, I just, uh, Steven Seagal, not since Billy Jack have we seen such a versatile actor, I don't think, but be that as it may. He's just good. He's good people. Um, but I was thinking, before, in the, in the film prior to this one, where uh, Steven was taking out the trash, do you know which one I'm talking about, where he was cleaning up the streets? Um, the ad copy for that poster, the brain trust that came up with that one, killed me. It was like, they killed his wife. His family, they messed with the wrong guy. As opposed to other men who let that roll right off. And Roseanne Barr, I think, is just fucking amazing. And Sarah Silverman and Margaret Cho and all these girls, yeah. Let's talk about the first season of Roseanne. <laughs> what about it? Best TV ever. Feel this, baby. There's a 200-point game pulsating through these fingers. <laughs> Let's not waste it on bowling. Let's talk about comedy and love. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. So you are married to a comedian, yes? Yeah, it's the best. His name? Oh, Tom Segura. And I heard that you say that you like how much his beard smells like trash. <laughs> I don't know if I like it, but his beard smells like whatever he's been eating, yeah. Okay, okay. First time you met him, the raw thoughts of yours. First time I met my husband? 
Oh yeah, wow. He was young. We were both so much younger. You front and center the first time you met me. Like, what I know. Because he gave me this European style kiss. Like he kissed both my cheeks, and I was like, okay, Mr. Euro. I remember being like, oh, you fancy. You fancy with your two kisses. That's what I thought. That is what I thought. Another question: When you, when you laugh, do you do you laugh silently or do you laugh aloud? When? When you laugh at something, when you laugh, it's oh, like I something somebody said. Loud, really loud. Yeah, I love. You know, I got that from Phyllis Stiller because she was always a loud laugher. And I think for girls too, we're encouraged to keep everything small, and it's very intimidating. So I do like to laugh out loud. Um, so we, uh, one question we ask every artist is. Uh, we read somewhere that every great artist secretly performs for an audience of one. All right, so as, you, as you've as you evolved in life, who is one person besides self that you've always wanted to impress? Oh, my God. Well, impress somebody. Oh, it used to be my parents. And then I realized my parents, they're never going to give me that approval <laughs> because I have crazy parents. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, unfortunately I grew up with pretty wackadoo folks, so I'm never going to get that. I like to make my husband proud, I think, because he supports me. And, uh, yeah, so my husband. I like to impress him. Fuck everybody else, you know. I think it amuses him that I, it amuses him that I just say crazy stuff. I think that amuses him. I don't know. So what is one song in all the world that you like to play yourself out to? <gasps> Okay, the one song in all of the world. There's so many. Oh, I love the Pixies. Do you know? Do you know who that is? Oh my gosh, I'm so old. Okay, do the Pixies. Vamos. Madcap is produced by Daniel Bloom, David Ross, Efim Shapiro, and Juice Madaki. Madaki moves up in the world. Our intern is Christy Newen. MadcapDC.org on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC.